Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about adoption and the extraordinary, unordinary you with Simone Canego. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name's Tim Elder, a dad of three through infant adoption. This is where we talk all about domestic infant adoption, and you get the inspiration, the resources, the hope. To start on that adventure, you're thinking about 24-7. That is building your family through adoption. So thank you for joining me today. We have an inspiring interview actually today with Simone Canego talking about her story and in her new book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You. And really, before we get started on that, I wanted to ask you if you are struggling with your adoption journey now, are you thinking about adopting? Are you thinking about going with an adoption agency? And maybe you're looking at all the choices and you're overwhelmed with the thousands of agencies that are out there trying to choose just one that will help you. I mean, what makes a great agency? Who can I even trust and how do I even find them? Well, we're going to help you cut through some of that confusion. Not only learn about where to find adoption agencies, but choose the right one you can trust through your adoption journey. So I've created a brand new guide to answer these questions. It's called how to find the right adoption agency in four steps. It's a free resource for you. It's going to help you walk you through all this stuff and how you evaluate them and choose the right one. Go to findmyadoptionagency.com and see how to get that free guide. And let's get on with the interview right now with Simone Canego. Okay, on the show today, we have Simone Canego. She is no stranger to adoption and all the challenges that come along with it. In her brand new book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You, she details her journey of adopting three of her six kids with all the heroic stories and hard-earned lessons that are universal to adoption and While she adopted her kids internationally, there are so many stories and experiences that are all universal to all adoptions. And her work, her philanthropy work, uh, especially through the Jewish Federation, really helped her realize that she has the ability to inspire others to dedicate time, resources to projects, both personal and charitable, and to make a difference in people's lives. And so Simone shares her message with numerous audiences and doing so discovered she has a passion for public speaking. And one of the reasons why we're bringing her on today is she she shares her stories very well. And she can use those stories, and you'll hear it from her, and, and show us how to choose and find inspiration and happiness on our own adoption journeys and share her realization that adoption challenges are just part of your story. So welcome to the show. Simone, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank Good. I'm, I'm happy to have you on. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've not read your book. I know it just came out, so I will read your book. Uh, but it, it, I love the title. I mean, and just hearing a little bit of your story, as I watched some videos of you too, uh, as you've done some public speaking, and it is inspirational, uh, just hearing a little bit of, of stuff that I have so far. And I know you got stories, a lot of stories in your book, so hopefully we can go through a little bit of those today and, and really... Uh, get people, tease people a little bit to uh, want to pick up your book and read it and and get some more inspiration from it. But I really thank you for coming on the show today and and really sharing your stories with the folks. And and that's really what I want to start with, I guess, is to share your family's adoption story. I know it's international and we talk a lot about uh, domestic infant adoption here, but there are some definite relations, uh, as we talked about, uh, things that relate to adoption stories no matter what. So if you could share us uh, brief stories of your kids' adoptions. I don't know if anything in my life is brief, but um, (laughs) I will will... (laughs) scratch brief. We'll just tell your story. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll do my best. Um, Yeah. So we, we have um, six kids and um, we had three biological kids before we decided to adopt. And um, 
our first adoption was our our son Noah, and he's from South Korea. And he was a baby when he came home. He was four months old. Um, and there's lots of lots of great stories with with Noah and the process. Um, and I know everybody listening understands that it, it, it's a long, hard process. And it doesn't matter if you have three kids at home already or if this is your first child. Um, we all go through the same emotions and stress and frustrations. Um, and you know, it was really eye-opening to me going through going through that process with him. And um, again, one of the best things we we ever did um, was adopting Noah. And then from there, we ended up adopting two more children. Um, first, we adopted Ari, who is from Ethiopia. He was four and a half years old when he came home. And then we adopted Millie, who's also from Ethiopia, who is um, he was two and a half years old when she came home. Um, and their stories are all different and all, um, I mean, they're amazing humans and we're so lucky to have them in our lives. But I can tell you, you know, during, during the process, the, the number of sleepless nights, the number of times where, and again, for Ethiopia, we're on a totally different time schedule. So I would be waking up at one o'clock in the morning to call the embassy there. Um, it was just all things that we did that were part of the process to, to get through the mounds of paperwork. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can imagine. I mean, and all adoption stories have the ups and downs and I can uh, hear that already a little bit and you want to tell more <laughs> in your brief uh, stories there. Uh, what kind of up and, oh, well, let me back up. What led you to adopting? I mean, you had three kids already. What led you to the point of, yeah, let's, let's start this adoption journey and why, and why international? Um, so honestly, I, you know, my husband, and I, believed, still believe there are just so many amazing kids in the world just waiting for a family to love them. And we felt that we could be one of those families. Um, and we could have had more biological kids. I mean, we were very lucky. Um, but that's not the way we wanted to grow our family. Like we just felt like, again, there are, there are so many kids that that need, need a family. Um, and international, we... We decided on international to just to build our family in a in a different way. Um, you know, we did along our journey in life. We did um, foster a little girl who was ten years old, and honestly, we would have adopted her, but that wasn't an option in the situation. Um, but we also weren't looking to adopt a baby. Um, so it, it did happen with Noah anyways, um, sometimes surprise, uh, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, we just, we just chose it as, as a different route, a different way to, to build our family. Yeah. And, uh, it worked really great for us. Yeah. What kind of challenges did you have? I mean, I know you could probably go on and on about challenges that happen on each of the adopting journeys, but could you share with us one or two stories that were specific, you know, kind of big challenges that you had to overcome in adoption? Um, so with the actual process or yeah, adoption? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I think probably my, my best story. And again, this is definitely internationally related, um, for when we brought Millie home from Ethiopia, um, you know, they give you this 
this package with all of her documents and they're all originals, right? And it's sealed and it has a stamp on it. And they tell you, you take it, you hand it to the person um, as you go through immigration um, and do not open it. Do not, you know, like, so you're like scared the whole time. Do I have you check your bag like 50 times? Do I have the paperwork? Do I have the paperwork? And we had, our flight was a day postponed because there was a huge snowstorm in Washington, Dulles. And so we came in a day late and we were the first international flight to arrive. And so we get up there, the guy's just kind of setting up his desk. I hand him the paperwork. He opens it. No idea whatever happened to it after that. But basically I realized after a certain period of time that we never got her green card. And I'm thinking, hmm, I check in, there's... I wasn't checked back into the country and there was no um, record of her documents. They actually appeared. So Millie is now 13. I got her green card last year. She's been a citizen since she was three, but it was just one more thing along the um, journey that was like, okay, I probably had five trips up to um, the immigration office near here and so many phone calls um, trying to fix that situation. So that was a classic one. (laughs) Yeah, that's oh, yeah. That paperwork is always a uh, a challenge. I mean, it seems like in all the stories that I've heard, and and one of ours was I left the paperwork in one of the airports, and uh, yeah, I had that sinking feeling of uh oh, this adoption is not going to happen now because we left our paperwork sitting in the airport. And I mean, thank goodness everything went okay. But uh, yeah, it it's one of the challenges is staying organized, I guess, um, as you go through your adoption challenges and journeys uh, through your kids. Um, After the first adoption, did anything scare you off? Like, could we not do this again? Or was it always, yeah, we knew we were going to adopt one, two or three? You know, we didn't have a plan, honestly. Um, (laughs) A lot of us don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Certain days I don't have a plan at all. Um, But I... You know, I really think that we were so happy with everything. Trust me, it wasn't easy. Yeah. I mean, you know, Noah's adjustment was ta- was really hard. Like yeah. he, um, but it's all worth it because they're these amazing little humans that yeah. just make your life so much better. But yeah, there was definitely um, when we told our friends that we were adopting again, they were like, "Really? <laughs> Are you <laughs> like, sure? Yes." And they're like isn't four kids enough now? And we're like, no, I think we're still capable of more. And, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of how it went, but we really didn't have, um, a plan of, we wanted six kids or we wanted three kids. We just kind of moved forward until we felt like, okay, we are now complete. Yeah. Okay. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. So after the third adoption, you felt like, okay, we're done. And and we, we feel like a complete family, right? You just had that feeling. Yeah. I mean, we, um, you know, it's, it, it, yes, we, we felt like we were complete. If you ask our kids today, they're like, you know, we're at a really good age now. Um, we could use a younger sibling again. And we're like, dad and I are tired. Um, but yeah, I mean, we really did. We felt like Millie completed our family. She's our youngest. Yeah. And, um, you know, she was the most amazing gift for us. And, and we did, we, we, we said, okay, we're good. We're done. We're done. The minivan is full. That's what I always would say. The minivan's go. full. Can't fit anybody else. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. So let's talk about your book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You. And it came out, I think it was October 20th, I believe. Is that correct? Was that your launch date? Yeah, it came out October 20th. Um, I self-published it, you know, which is always a, another another tough journey. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I started doing some public speaking and I had people say to me, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I thought, I will never write a book. And then I decided to write a book. Shocker. Again, I didn't have a plan. Um, but really, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, it's not just about the kids. It's really about, you know, realizing what you're capable of. So I think a lot of times, um, we look at ourselves and think that, you know, we, uh, I, that won't be me. I can't do that. Or, um, and I really think that the book is really about that. Yes, you can like you, you know, if you really want to do something, you should do it no matter, no matter what it is. And really, especially if it's making the world a better place. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and write this book. And I, and I said to the kids from the beginning, I'm, I'm going to be telling your stories. Um, and again, I wanted to be really sensitive about it, but also very honest because, you know, life is all about ups and downs and successes and failures. And um, that's really what I tried to do in the story is really kind of show all parts of it and that, you know, everybody struggles and you don't just give up because you're struggling. You, 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 you keep at it because those are the things that really matter and are really um, valuable. So the kids all have a, a chapter um, or the younger kids all have a chapter, I should say. And I really talk about you know, their adoption journeys. And um, what was really interesting is that my youngest, Millie, um, when I first said that I was going to write it, she's like, can you just leave me out of the book? And I was oh. like, yeah, dagger to the heart. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I can leave you out of the book. I mean, there are six kids and I can't really just write about five. And um, so she said, uh, okay, fine. Well, I, you know, and of course, like, I'm not going to like it, mom. And so I was really picky about word choice when it came to the kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, very picky. Um, and we got a couple of books in the house and it was one was sitting on the counter and she, I saw her walk up to the counter, put it under her sweatshirt and go upstairs. And she called me about 45 minutes, an hour later, um, on FaceTime with tears streaming down her face saying, I, I had no idea she was reading the stories about, um, her brother's adoptions. And, um, I had no idea that, um, that Noah was just a number before he had a name. I had no idea that, um, you know, the story about, there's a story about Ari, Ari's brother, um, crying when we went to meet the birth family. And, um, when he was crying, we were like, is he upset that, you know, you know, his brother is not going to be there anymore. And they said, no, he wants to come too. Mm. Um, it was a really, it was really hard. Um, so she was reading these stories and it was like a whole new look into our family. And I think for her, um, she said, I really thought I wasn't going to like it. Um, but I love it, mom. Like, I really love it. I can't believe how good it is. <laughs> you know, and that was like, I was like, okay, I don't need any other reviews. Like, that's all I need is, is for her to say she's, yeah. um, she's okay with it. So how old was she when she said that? So, no, she's 13. Oh, she so just she just, that. yeah. Right. Yeah. Coming right. from a 13 year old is, you that's know, that's pretty good. That's really pretty good. powerful. Right. I'll yeah. take that one. <laughs> I have a 13 year old. They can be pretty critical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. Did you feel like you had to hold back anything on, on telling their stories? Like maybe this is too personal or too, uh, like maybe their story to tell. So you didn't want to share it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I was pretty, I think I pretty much told their stories. Um, I would say that, you know, word choice was important, which was part of the thing that, you know, they can delve deeper into later. But I do agree. I don't, you know, I never want them to look back and say, I can't believe you said that, or I can't believe you did that. And so, you know, there's definitely, I mean, there's really funny stories in there about all of the kids, like ridiculous things that have happened. And, um, and I think that's okay. Like, I think that you have to have, um, some humor. It's okay to be, you know, brutally honest about stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, you know, I'm not going to tell every detail about every story, um, only because, yeah, they're their stories to tell later. This is my version of my story and my perception, right? Like the way I experienced it. And there's pieces that they'll look at later and say, okay, well, I see it differently. Um, And, you know, and I think that's, that's okay. I mean, that's how it should be. I know in, in our discussions that we have with family and even in my own adoption experience, um, open adoption and, and being just telling your kids their story and talking with them as they grow up is, is always a topic that comes up because people are, well, when do you start talking to your kid about being it, that, that they were adopted? And, uh, as they grow up, do you tell them more of their story and more of their story? And did that, did that happen with you? Did you tell them like at the, since they were able to even understand that they were adopted or how did that work for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. They, um, we've always been very, um, open about our discussions and that you can ask any question that you, um, want to ask and, and we're going to answer it to the best of our abilities. And, um, for each of the kids, like we created, um, a book, you know, a picture book of, and, and again, it's a, it's a different situation, but you know, like Ethiopia, like we, you went and visited the, um, the birth family, whoever was unfortunately to say it in a way, whoever was still remaining of the birth family, you went to visit them. And, um, so, you know, we have, we have pictures and we have pictures of, you know, the mud hut where they grew up and, you know, the community and, you know, the whole, you know, us traveling to meet them for the first time. Like that's all part of it. So, you know, for all of them that we were, we've always been really, um, and it, and that works for us. That doesn't work for everybody, but for us, it works to be, um, you know, ask us whatever you want. And, um, I remember when, uh, Ar- you know, Ari was four and a half, so he had some memories already. Yeah. Um, and his memories were actually pretty accurate because we were able to, my husband went back on a medical mission to Ethiopia mm-hmm. and he was actually able to go back and visit the family again. And he asked all the questions we didn't ask the first time. And um, Ari was pretty spot on, on, on what he remembered at the time. Um, but, you know, it's uh, for, for Millie, because she was, I mean, Noah was a baby. Noah was four months old. So, you know, he, there's obviously not remembering anything. Um, but for Millie, you know, it's really, she didn't have the, the, the memories either at, at two and a half. So looking at the pictures, I kind of feel like it gives her, you know, a little piece of, you know, of her story. 
And I, I'm a big believer in that for, for again, for us, my, my point of view, that um, I would love for them to go back later and learn more. Um, we've talked about visiting um, Ethiopia and Korea and, you know, when they're ready, yeah. when they're ready, not like not before they're ready, but when they're ready. It's not my timing. It's their timing. So. And are they open to that so far? I mean, maybe it's too early to have a yeah. firm uh, opinion about it. Or... Um, so it's interesting, actually. Um, Ari was like, I remember. I don't need to go back. I'm like, well, okay, you were four. And I think, like, <laughs> things change a little bit as you, you know, it, yeah. the, the waters get a little muddied. Yeah. Um, and then for Millie... She still has a fear. She has a fear of like, you know, this is her family, right? And so she's like, well, what if, what if I'm like, okay, you know, like, again, it's, it's when you're, when you're ready. And, you know, for Ethiopia, we actually send a letter each year. We send photos each year. Um, That's part of the process until they're 18. Um, You you do that and it goes to the the government and to the, um, and to the birth family. And then for Noah, it doesn't. Um, it was. It's closed, so we don't know any other details. But I still send um, every year when I send Ari's photos and letter. I send photos of Noah and ask them to put them in the file, and in case you know, birth mother, birth father, you know, ever ever want to take a peek. And when he's eighteen, you know, there can be a discussion of um, you know if they want to find him and if he wants to find them. Then you know, it's all fair game. Um, and again, my, my thought is the more people that love you, the better. So we say that all the time. Yeah. When it comes to open adoption here, you know, in the States, when you're adopting, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have at least some kind of contact or even a relationship with the birth family. So yeah, it's, it, it can be scary when you first dive into adoption and figure out how can that be? But I could feel it from you that you want for your kids that more love if the if it's a, even a possibility down the road like uh, um, so i think that's really powerful and really important and i think it does, says a lot for you as a mom uh that they'll look back on and, and really appreciate that you did so i, I love that as uh, for the book though uh, and, and i know the whole book is not about your adoption journeys but mm-hmm. uh, your book why did you even call it the extraordinary unordinary yeah it's a really cool play on words i love it but what what led you to that title so I, I, I always say that, um, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just a, which I shouldn't say I'm just a, I'm an ordinary person. Um, and I am an ordinary person as we everybody are. in this world is right? <laughs> right. I mean, so, but what we don't real about, realize sometimes about ourselves is how extraordinary we really are and all of the pieces that add up together to truly make us extraordinary and unordinary. I mean, you know, like just talking about our family, it is an unordinary family, right? It's extraordinary. And for us, we are, we are so fortunate, but I I think that that was my big play on words is that, you know, looking at myself, I feel like an ordinary person. I hear people say to me, wow, like the things that you do, you're really inspirational. And I look at myself and say, I'm ordinary. (laughs) Um, but that's the whole point. Like we're all ordinary, we're all extraordinary, and so realizing, you know, really what we're we're capable of, and and this adoption journey has been, for us, kind of, you know, really one of the most impactful pieces of realizing how extraordinary life life can be, um, 
through the struggles, through, you know, there's so many amazing moments that we wouldn't have had um, if we didn't go through um, this part of our journey. So. Yeah. Um, what's, I know you've shared a couple of stories already, but is there a, another particular story that you, in the book that you'd like to share with us? It doesn't have to be necessarily adoption related, but something that you felt pretty impactful, pretty powerful part of the book. Um, yeah, I, I, I can, I, I'd love to share a funny story. I'll share that. And then I can share sure. an impactful story. So, um, I always love telling stories about my husband. He probably, um, <laughs> he probably can't stand it anymore, but he has the best, he gives me like the best, you know, humor. Like he's got the, the best stories that like make people laugh. And so, um, he is, an incredibly intelligent man. He is a neurosurgeon. So, um, you know, he's, he's very, very smart. Um, so we were in, uh, Italy for a friend's wedding and there was a day where they had, um, you could go and we brought, um, at the time we just had three kids and we brought the kids with us. And there was an opportunity to go to a wine tasting. Obviously, we couldn't bring the kids to that. So he's he said, oh, it's okay. You go and I'll take the kids into the local village. Okay, great. I'm in. <laughs> and so he – there's lots of lots of pieces to the story of getting to the, the village in terms of uh, driving. But by the time they got there, um, Olivia, who was the youngest at the time, had to really go to the bathroom. And the way the bathroom there works is it's an automated bathroom. So you put in a coin, the door opens, you go in, you go to the bathroom, you push the button, you come back out, the door closes, and then it goes through a wash cycle. Um they didn't know that's how it worked. So um, basically she had to go really badly and the, a woman walked out of the bathroom. Olivia ran into the bathroom. The door closed. The wash cycle went on. <laughs> she got completely no, washed. And of no. course, they're like trying to figure out how do you open the door? How do you open the door? And she's like screaming from the inside. And no. um, finally, finally, the uh, the door opens and um, she comes out soaking wet and you know, poor Rob. And then they're walking around the whole day and she's complaining that her feet hurt. And by the time they got back to the house later that night, a friend of his looked at Rob and said, you do know that she's had her shoes on the wrong feet, obviously the entire day. Oh, no, <laughs> It's just these parts of parenting where you just like you, it's okay to make mistakes. That's just how it goes. It makes for really great stories later. Um, you don't but- quite feel like parent of the year at that moment though right <laughs> now there's many days that like you know it's it's you're like oh i could have done a better job on that one okay mm. can we have a redo no you can't have a redo but you do you learn from from the things that you do i mean we're all humans right like we're yeah. we're and there's no there's no handbook and even if there was it wouldn't be very effective because we're human and everybody reacts differently differently to everything so um and i think that's a big part is being able to say like um it's okay to make mistakes. Like you, you learn from them and, and you move forward. Yeah. I think that's what I like having you on the show because I really believe, especially when it comes to adoption and those that are considering adoption and I've been there, I've done it. So I, I felt it as you can be completely overwhelmed with the idea of adoption because you don't know exactly what to expect. You've heard some stories and some people may have had breezy you know, pretty easy adoptions. But the more times than not that you hear the stories of, oh, I went through this, I went through that, and I was up and down, up and down, and it was scary at this point and that point. And for somebody who hasn't adopted before, it really scares you into the point where you're like, dude, can we even do this? 
and we're afraid to even start. And uh, so I love the fact that you telling your stories and you're giving folks inspiration and hope to do it anyway because of what you get out of it. But also, I think, like you said, what you learned through the journeys. And uh, what would you tell somebody, though, who's just considering adoption? I don't care if it's international, domestic, whatever. Mm. What would you tell somebody that's, hey, I'm afraid to start. I'm overwhelmed with this whole possibility. What this scares me to death. What, what would you tell somebody like that? It's definitely worth it. I mean, there's, you know, like, yes, it is, it is a huge process and there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of emotional ups and downs and, you know, you're checking the mailbox, you're checking your email, you're checking your voicemail, um, constantly. I mean, that's just part of it, but the end result is better than anything you could imagine. Even, even though like with any part of parenting, there's still struggles with that, but you know, I, all of the things that you struggle with along the way, it, it really is, it's nothing. Like it really, at the end of the day, it's like those things that you're like, oh yeah, I was cleaning out a closet the other day and I found like the stacks of paperwork and I was like, and, and of course my husband was like, what's that? I was like, do you remember all those documents we used to have to sign? I was like, I put them in a pile. He's like, oh my gosh, it's huge. I'm like, yeah, but you forget about it. Like you, cause you move forward with the part that you started the whole process to begin with, which is the parenting part, the part to have this, you know, tiny person, big person, whatever person, you know, in your, in your life. And, you know, you just can't, the emotions that you feel, um, it's, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, it really, so it's worth it. It's worth all that. And yes, I know there are days where you're like, I don't think I can, handle, you know, waiting any longer. I don't think I can handle a rejection. I don't think I can. You can, you absolutely can because the end is, um, it's just so worth it. And that's, what's hard to describe to somebody. I think is you can say the end is worth it. You can try to mm -hmm. describe the feeling of holding that little baby or, or, you know, holding your child in your hand that you, you just adopted. It's hard to under, really convey those feelings though, that, uh, that utter joy that you have, wipes so much of that or all of the struggle that you had away. It's really hard to describe to somebody that, that that's possible. And, uh, and especially I think when folks start and they see this mountain of, of money that they need, I mean, the finances is, is huge. Uh, and they don't see the way that to the top of that mountain. And I know you have some mountain stories, <laughs> but, but, my, my issue or my question, I guess, is that how do you, how do you inspire somebody, especially when it comes to finances, maybe you have a financial story you could share, but how do you inspire somebody that, that you can climb that mountain and the path may be not be the straight way up, but it might be the winding way up. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, anything that is worthwhile. Um, and I know these are just words. I mean, I'm telling you my experience and until you experience it, you know, each person experiences it themselves. It really is hard to, you know, make that connection point and realize, wow, that really was, um, that was really the best thing I've ever done, you know? And yeah, I mean, you're, you're climbing a, a, a curvy, you know, wavy path and, and it takes a long time to, to get to where you're going. But once you get to the top and you look back at, you know, the steps you took to get up there, you realize, okay, that was absolutely, that was absolutely worth it. And, and the financial part too, like you, 
we joke with the kids that like, um, okay, if we didn't have any kids, like dad would have retired 20 years ago and, you know, um, you know, oh, could you have this? Yeah, probably. Um, but, but I wouldn't want that. Like, this is exactly how, um, I want my life. And I think again, anything, you know, that is of value, you know, really it takes time. You don't, you don't just get there overnight. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, there's, there's times that are, are frustrating, but, you know, you will realize, um, that the end result is, you know, better than anything you could have imagined and the time that you put in to get there. So. Yeah. I mean, as big as the mountain may be, you don't get to the top in one big step, you know, you've, you know, it's going to take hundreds of steps and you're not going to get there without taking that first one. I know it sounds cliche, but it, it, it absolutely is true. And I know you, since you've been through three of them, you took a lot of steps uh, to get to the point where you brought your, your three home and, uh, you know, on, on your website and I, in some talks, I've heard you say, change the way you see yourself and the world around you will change. And I love that. That's a great quote. And I just wanted to ask you, how do you think that applies to hopeful adoptive parents? I think in a couple of ways, I felt like when I first started our first adoption journey, it was all about the end result, right? Like, okay, we need to get, we need to get him home. We need to get him home. We need to get him home. Um, it really was about the journey. Like all of these things that I learned about myself during this time period. Um, and so I had to, you know, I would look in the mirror and be, you know, and I have these mirror moments and, you know, where you can do this, you can, you know, like you can handle this. You can, you can put yourself forward on this. Like it is, it is all worth it. Um, so that was kind of for me, like, that's how I, I started looking at myself and saying like, okay, you're not just a, you know, you're not just a mom. You're not just an adoptive mom. You're not just like you, um, you, you, you are, you're extraordinary. Like these things that you get to do, like that life has given you, um, it's, it's really amazing. And I think when I changed that, my, my, really my whole kind of outlook on so many things changed. Um, my patience level changed. Um, Noah, Noah definitely changed our patience level. Um, he loved to cry all the time. Uh, 16 out of the 18 hours on our flight home from Seoul, but you know what? Like he's an amazing kid. So, you know, like just these things that you, you go through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really changing and changing the way, like, again, talking about like, you know, a title or, you know, the, the title doesn't matter. Like for me, like um, the kids will say, well, you know, someone will say to the kids, well, I don't understand how you and Noah, so Noah's from South Korea, Millie's from Ethiopia, how you can be siblings. She's like, uh, we're adopted, duh. You know, like, so like these these things we're, we're raising kids who like, you know, definitely speak their mind. Um, but you know, like the title, like you're a mom, you're a dad, like that's, that's what you are. You're not an adoptive mom. I mean, you are, but like, I'm not, I, it doesn't matter to me. Like, that's not the point. The point is I'm there to raise this child into the best human possible and give them all the love I can give. Mm. And so I think again, changing the way when you look in the mirror, um, and saying, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. And that's it. Like you are there to do the best thing for, for this child. Um, 
and I can apply to so many things, but I'll leave it with those, those yeah. two pieces on the changing the way you see yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think when you look at yourself as a, you try to see yourself in the positive light and that like you're, I love how you say you're not just, or you're not simply a, um, mm-hmm. because your kids don't see you that way. And I think for you or for anyone listening to this who is not a yet a parent, I think you can appreciate by looking at the parents that you see around you that, and look at the kids, their kids looking at them, they don't see them as ordinary. They see them as extraordinary. So I love how you, <laughs> the play of the words work, works perfectly. And that's what you can look forward to as a, as a person that has not adopted yet. And that's what can keep you going through this journey. I think as you could deal with struggles is you are extraordinary even on your journey, you're extraordinary uh, because you started your journey. So I think that's where people can find some inspiration in, in going through that. But I wanted to ask you specifically that though, like how do folks find this inspiration and happiness on their journey when they're dealing with struggles? And now we're in this COVID times too, where it really puts a stranglehold on getting some things done uh, where it's a struggle anyway, but then COVID dump COVID in the middle of that. It really, affects people and how do they find these inspiration and happiness as they go through the journey so another thing is that another thing i always say to my kids is you can choose you can choose to be happy or you can choose to be miserable and we kind of choose to be happy i mean trust me there it is chaos all of the time it's that you know it's not sometimes it's controlled chaos sometimes it's uncontrolled chaos um but i also i don't i really try to look for the positive moments. And trust me, I'm human. There are moments where I just, you know, I think last night I went to bed at 830. I'm like, I'm out. Good night. I'm done. (laughs) Um, and, and again, because we're all human, like we, it's, you can't expect to be happy all of the time. right, right? Right. Um, but really looking at, you know, the things that we, we go through, um, it ju- it just i don't know it just makes us it just makes us better people i mean i see you know i had i had a, i'll tell a funny story about i had a moment in um the starbucks drive through a couple of weeks ago where i was waiting pati- patiently trying to give people space to come in and out and of course someone pulled in front of me and kind of cut me off and went into the drive through <laughs> and um you know i started getting frustrated and my daughter was like I'm not sure what you're frustrated about. It's just a drive-through. It's really not a big deal. And we don't really have anywhere to go. So why are you, you know, getting upset about this? I think you need to read your book again, mom. And um, that was like my my favorite comment. There I was you like, go. there you go. Yeah, you're right. Call me out. You're right. Okay, this is one of those moments. Everything is a teaching moment. This is a teaching moment on what not to do. Wow. Um, and so of course we get up to the window and the woman who had cut us off had bought us our drinks. And um, so another moment of like, okay, seeing all the good, right? And so, and then my daughter said, um, hey, mom, since, see, you shouldn't have been upset, first of all. And second of all, um, let's buy drinks for the people behind us. And I wonder how many, how many cars back that will continue. And I was like, okay, I love that. That's great. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that we, um, there are days that are um, tough, but in general, we really try to look at, um, the tough stuff is just part of the journey and all the good things in that, like, this is what we've, 
you know, actually the whole journey is what we've worked for, right? Like it's the good and the bad because that's what, what life is. But the, we just try to see like the, the, the good parts of the struggle. Wow. I really learned something about myself there when I, when I look at what we struggle with. So. And that's so hard when you're in the middle of the struggle, because like you just said in your story there, you in the midst of it or right when it, things, bad things happen, your mind, or at least my mind almost immediately goes to <laughs> what, uh, why did this happen to me? You know, what I'm feeling bad about the whole situation and I'm not it's so difficult to go flip that and go, oh, okay, I'm going to look at, this is not that big of a deal, the bigger picture. And, and that's, I think what applies to us as hopeful adoptive families is when you're going through this story, your story, your journey, you keep your eye on the big picture. Yeah. You may have these ups and downs. You may have problems that crop up and really some could be really bad problems. Some could be huge struggles, but if you back off or look from above maybe and see the big picture, like the end when you adopt will be all worth it. That I think can kind of help you focus on being positive, even through your, your negativity, you know, the struggles that you have going on around you. So, you know, um, I think that's a really good, great way of saying it, of taking a step back and, and looking at the big picture versus, you know, the little, you know, the, the ups and downs that happen. If I looked at the ups and I, trust me, I look at the ups and downs all the time and they do kind of change the way I do things. Um, but you know, we have, you know, in our house, I'll tell you, like we have, um, a child that's on the spectrum. We have a child that has dyslexia. We, you know, we have ADHD, we have all kinds of stuff going on, but again, it's a title. It doesn't define them. What defines them is that they're humans. And so if I stressed about, I always say you can only, you should only stress about the things you can control. Okay. Cause those are the things you can fix. If I can, if I know that I got to get to the bank today and I'm running late, like that, I can stress about that. But like the other things, like I really just have to do my best. And if I did stress about every little thing, um, I wouldn't get through my day. Yeah. And, um, and then I look at my kids and what you said before about like, they, they look at us as we're extraordinary. They do like all the time, even if you're having a hard time, a hard day, like they'll come up and say, you're the best mom ever. And I'm thinking, okay, I just did a really bad job today. And they think I'm the best mom ever, you know? Okay, great. You know, yeah. like, yeah. um, and I think that's so like, that's such an important thing to, to remind ourselves of is that they, the thing I said about every moment is a teaching moment, like whether it's a good moment or a bad moment, it's still, it's still a teaching moment. And for, but our kids look up to us as like, we are, you know, Wonder Woman and Superman and we, we are it. So when we look at ourselves and say, eh, you know, we're just, eh, we're, eh, you know, um, you know, they're like, no, you're not, you're amazing. So it's, it's a really good reminder of it how, is how special it is, how worth it, how everything that we do to, to be a parent is, you know, um, we, we, we change the world because our kids change the world. Right. So, um, those are the things I try to remind myself of every day. That's really cool. Yes. And before we wrap up, I want to make sure and I ask you this because it, it's important. I think it relates to domestic and international, um, and it's the multiracial family, multicultural family, um, kids that are we, we talked a little bit about already about the kids curious about the birth families but they're also the roots and their origin how do you 
handle that in your family, the multiracial, multicultural aspect? So we are black, white, Asian, and Jewish. Um, we don't cover everything, but we cover a lot That's of a lot. things. <laughs> yes, <you do. laughs> um, again, we, we're really big on um, open communication. We're really big on, you know, saying like, okay, this happened today or, you know, and, and nothing's ever going to be, there's no, there's no perfect in the world. Right. So, um, we just do our best, but we do have very, um, open conversations. And so that each one of our kids, um, feels like they can self-advocate that they feel, um, proud of themselves and that, you know, that they're comfortable. Um, you know, we live in a, a town that is, um, like their school, there's very few kids um, that are black, very few kids that are Asian. You know, it's where we live. Um, but um, they're proud of who they are. And, you know, that's really, you know, these conversations that we have with them all of the time that, you know, when they were little, like they, you know, I remember Ari once had a a scab that um, peeled off and his skin was obviously much lighter underneath. And he said, look, mom, me turning white like you. And I mm. said, no, honey, you have beautiful, you know, brown skin. You're not turning, you know, like it was the whole conversation of that. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, the kids are like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. um, you know, um, and then, and then also like they, um, when Noah and Millie were little, um, they wanted to share a room. And so, um, I said, okay, I'll let you stay in the same room, but, um, you know, if you don't sleep, you can't, you know, I'll have to split you guys up. Well, you can't split us up. We're twins. And, you know, like, uh, okay, great. You know, like that's how they see themselves, you know? So, um, they, they understand who they are, um, and they're proud of who they are and they don't, you know, and we're at a certain period of time. I can't tell you in 10 years from now what the discussions will be. But for now, we're just really open about the conversations that we have and and really teach them to be proud of themselves and proud of their family. Like, it's just about love. And do you deal with any kind of adversity because you're a multiracial, multicultural family? I mean, do people... I mean, I think you mentioned it before, like somebody mentioned to your kids, well, how can you be brother and sister? And she says, well, duh, duh, we're adopted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it as uh, simple as that or does it get more complicated than that? Um, it's gotten a little bit more complicated at times, but again, they're, um, they have their moments of where they're not willing to say something and when they are willing to say something. Um, but to me, the most important piece is that at the end of the day, they know who they are and they're proud of who they are. But um, that being said, you know, I think most of the time people are curious, right? Like yeah. they, um, you know, I remember once we were sitting at a dinner, we like to go out um, for at the end of the school year with all the kids to a nice restaurant, like for a fake year graduation, you know, um, and this one older couple was staring at us and staring at us. And the kids were like, why are they staring at us? And of course, the other kid's like, well, why do you think they're staring at us? And um, <laughs> and then, you know, and and then these things go through your head and you start like negative self-talking. Like, what you like, do I go say something? What You know, like, and um, at the end, when they got up to leave, they came up to their table and said, you know, we were, we were um, observing your family, you have the most beautiful family and you should be really proud. And here we're thinking like, do we have to stand up and, you know, defend ourselves? No, they were or, just, yeah. yeah, they were just, you know, they're curious. And, yeah. and I'm always happy to, um, if, if you don't mind me telling one, one more story, we've sure, had, yeah. um, 
we had a situation um, when Millie was first home and we were in the grocery store and I was going up to the deli with her in the cart and a woman came up to me and said, can I ask how much you paid for her? And I was like, you know, ready for the claws to come out, like, right. you know. Um, and so one of the things I learned early on was to kind of throw a question back on the other person. So don't react defensively because you don't know where they're coming from yet, right? Okay, you can do that later if you need to. But, and so I said, um, well, can I ask wh why, you know, what what your question really means? Like, what are you getting at? And um, she said, well, my daughter... Um, really wants to adopt. They've been trying to have kids for years and they can't. And I wanted to see if I could help her financially. So I wanted to get an idea um, of what um, adoption costs. And so I went through the explanation of like, um, you don't pay for children. That's not how it works. And, you know, went through the whole thing. And I could have, I could have instantly like reacted like I wanted to, like, don't talk to me, you know? Um, but again, kind of like a moment where I felt like, you know, don't make these assumptions that people are thinking or saying the worst, like ask them, ask them why, you know, and um, it was actually a really great conversation. I have no idea what happened with the daughter, but, um, you know, I think I really um, explained some things to the mom and, and she got it. So um, things that you come across, things that will happen, um, you know, oh, you don't look like her. Well, yeah, you're right. I don't, but you know, I'm just like her. Um, smart observation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for looking. Um, and, and that's okay. Like again, curiosity, yeah. you know, Noah will say curiosity killed the cat. No curiosity is, is okay. Like it's okay yeah. to ask questions. Cause how do people learn if they don't ask, you know? Yeah. Um, and as long as they're not just like, I shouldn't be, be making an assumption if they're not making an assumption, if they're asking. So. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I know it's a, a struggle or can be a struggle and, it's another reason to choose to be uh, positive. Uh, and like you said, uh, thank goodness you chose in that moment to think things differently and ask a question with a question because uh, that, that helps you choose to be positive and not negative if you can, if you can do that in that moment. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And I think that really, um, that for me was like another turning point where I was like, okay, this is how you move forward mm -hmm. without like, you know, best foot forward, like really, really, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, thinking positively about what's, what's happening. And, and they, so, someone once said to me, um, you can never judge a person until you walk today in, in their shoes, but you can never walk a day in your, sh their shoes because it will never be the same. No matter what you're going through, it's going to be different than somebody else. So just don't judge just, you know, do the best you can as a human to make the world a better place for everybody else. Well said. I was going to, I was just going to ask you, but maybe that's it. Uh, if there's yeah. one thing you want to, to make sure somebody listening to this remembers from today, from listening to you, what would it be? You can really do whatever you put your mind to. Um, I know that sounds cliche, but especially when it comes to adoption, like don't look at it and think like, Oh, I, I'm, I can't do it because of the financial. I can't do it because I, you know, the, you know, 50 things that would come to your mind. Um, yes, you can. Yes, you can do it. And um, you will be so happy that you, you know, went through the process and there will be bumps in the road. Um, but again, change the way you see yourself, change the way you look at things um, and things will change. It really will. And 
um, the outcome, looking back down that mountain, we didn't talk about that story, but looking back down that mountain, um, you really realize, you know, all the things that, that get you to the place you are, all the things that I've gone through in my life have put me on this show right now. Right. So, uh, I wouldn't be here if I didn't go through all these different things and it's all, it's all worth it. That mountain story was, you climbed a mountain, didn't you? Yeah, I guess I brought it up now, so now I have to say it. Just, um, <laughs> you don't have to tell the story. Let them read it in your book. But yeah, I, there we I, go. But you, you you climbed a mountain. Just to real quick, what, what mountain did you climb? Uh, Kilimanjaro. Yes, awesome. Yes, there's, Mama Six. There's a reason to read to read the book right there. You got to hear yeah. her story of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, I appreciate you coming on the show today. It's uh, it's very inspirational stuff. It's it's. Fabulous to have somebody on that uh, is looking so much at the positive stuff. And I love the extraordinary, unordinary you. Such a great book. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. And I highly encourage anybody listening to this to do the same. And how can they do that? Where can folks find you, connect with you, get your book? To my knowledge, I am the only Simone Canego in the world. So um, my website, SimoneCanego.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, author Simone Canego, Instagram, author Simone Canego. You can find me and, you know, email me if you have a question. I'm happy to, I mean, I'm so passionate about children and adoption and family. If you want to have a conversation, I'm here. I had a friend reach out today and said, I'm starting the process. Can I talk to you about it? Yes. Reach out, talk to me. That's what I'm here for. So find me. Love it. Yes. And we'll put all the links in the show notes so uh, you don't have to go, how do I spell Simone Canego? <laughs> oh, there but we go. We, but we can spell it for you. It's S-I-M-O-N-E-K-N-E-G-O dot com. But we'll put those links in the show notes so you guys can get them uh, pretty easily at infantadoptionguide.com. So thanks, Simone, for coming on the show. There's a beautiful picture, by the way, of you, uh, of your family on your website, on your about page. So uh, it's, that's great stuff. Um, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your stories, sharing your inspirations, sharing hope for the folks. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. All right. Great interview with Simone Canego. I uh, just love the book, Extraordinary, Unordinary Use. It's awesome. And especially how you can apply it to your adoption journey and uh, how you go on your adventure to build your family through adoption because it really is an adventure. And I think if we change it the way we look at it from a journey or this mountain climbing uh, a thing to more of an adventure, more of a way of positivity positively looking at it i think it can change the way we go through it and and how we end up with it and and realize that at the end your kids are going to know they're going to look at you as extraordinary and not ordinary just because you're their mom and dad so i hope you find this totally inspirational and uh, you give you some hope on your journey on your adventure to to adopt your, your, your kids, your babies. So, um, all the links that we talked about in today's show notes will be at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 8080 as this is episode number 80. And I encourage you to, if you'd like some more support, uh, as you go through your adventure that you join our Facebook group, it's at infantadoptionguide.com. And at the top of the screen, you'll see Facebook group or join our Facebook group and you'll be able to get access to it there. So until next time, you are in my prayers as you go on the journey or the adventure to build your family through infinite options. So God bless. 
Thanks for listening to my dad.